Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Is it as simple as that? We'll find out. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Greeny coming your way on many of these ESPN radio stations in one hour. Kurt Warner and Joe Namath will be with Mike this morning. Speaking of quarterbacks, we're asking you this morning, who would you rather build around, Sam Darnold or Daniel Jones? Hit us up, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. All of our guests on the Goodyear Hotline. And speaking of quarterbacks and offense, the Jets, of course, had an offensive-minded head coach and Adam Gase went 9-23 and in his two years on the job. So the team's GM, in charge of finding the next head coach, was asked on the Michael K Show on 98.7 ESPN in New York yesterday this question by Mike's cohort, Don LaGreca. Is it important, Joe, for it to be an offensive guy? No, it's not. You know, what I said to the the beat earlier, I think we're going to cast a a wide net. And I think it's important for us to find a person with, you know, great integrity, great leadership, great communication skills, someone that not only can manage the offense or just or the defense or the special teams that can can manage a team that can connect, connect with everyone, whether it's staff, whether it's players, whether it's personnel, you know, whether it's, you know, someone upstairs, just, just a great relationship builder. And so, you know, I think, I think it's, there's really not going to, we're not going to cut the field in half. We're going to look at this from a very wide lens. So who, who is that person he's describing? Give me a name. It's a guy who could put a, Offense together, defense together, special teams, and manage personality. So when you talk about names, you know, there are coaches out there that can do it. But I am of the belief in that type of situation, you need an old, wily veteran who's done it before, who's been a head coach, who's had some mild success, but not a complete failure. You know, a Jim Harbaugh, a, a Jim Caldwell, or Marvin Lewis. Those are the type of coaches to me. You don't want a newbie here. I, I, not in this situation, I don't. Because they newbies only, for the most part, they're one-sided, right? It's either he's an offensive guy or he's a defensive guy. He's not a, a retread, like a, a, a manager, a CEO of sort, where he could delegate certain things to other people. Um, if you decide that you want to go and pluck a CEO from college football and bring him to the NFL, that may work. But the names that are out there that are hot names are all coordinators, right? They're all guys that are coordinating an offense or a defense. Some of these guys that are sitting on the sideline that can coach, those are the guys, to me, that you go and you – kick the tires on and find out the interest in, in what their plan is. You got to interview them. I think that the, the, for this particular situation in the Jets, because it's not one side of the ball that struggled. It's the entire team, the yes. entire organization. Jay, uh, Jason. Uh, well, I didn't I know you're done talking key. I would say it, it's Jim Harbaugh for me. Um, and the reason why I say that is, you know, a lot of times when you talk about there's such a difference between coaching at the collegiate university level and coaching at the pro level, but there are certain situations where I think how you start that culture, what the foundation of that culture is, is better suited for somebody coming from the college version. And that's why I think Jim Harbaugh in this situation could kind of help revamp 
the culture of the Jets. Like there are some pieces there that obviously they make decisions. Joe Douglas seems very reasonable. He seems practical every time I hear him talk, right? Reminds me a little bit of Lewis Riddick. So you need somebody who has communication skills. I think it's very important. Uh, we've seen that throughout the course of the NFL with guys who can't communicate. Um, and I think you also need somebody who can draw a line in the sand. Like the last person, I feel like they had somebody like that. Now he's a little bit more flamboyant, but it was Rex Ryan. So I, I feel like Jim can draw a line in the sand and say, hey, these are my principles. Here are my core set of values. And I think that the Jets need to have somebody that can make them feel like they're a family again. I, I haven't seen this Jets team feel like they're a familia, right? And I think Jim could bring that in. Now, can he sustain that? I'm not sure. Um, but I think somebody initially to come out and say, this is who we are. These are our principles. This is what we stand for. Kind of similar to how Joe Judge has appro- approached it with the New York Giants. They need somebody to set that foundation once again. What, what the great thing about when you have the opportunity to go and search for a head coach, you can pick and choose what type of coach you want. In, in a Jets situation, because they need so much on both sides of the ball, they need a reboot. Uh, as an organization, they need to scrub the thing clean to a degree. They have to get Jim Harbaugh would be a good, he's been there. Like I said, a, a coach that has had some success and not too many failures, but kind of, you know, had to go sit, in, sit on the sidelines for a little bit and kind of watch where you had guys like a Jim Caldwell. If he's even interested in being a head coach again, I don't know. Or a Marvin Lewis, whose name is floating out there. Yes, he was in Cincinnati for a long time. Nobody wins in Cincinnati. He kind of I mean, did. He, he did as much as he could do, yeah. given the resources that the Bengals put in front of him. You, you look at that sort of situation. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. You know, and then obviously there are the coordinating guys, first-timers, though. Do you want to deal with a first-time head coach trying to reshape the entire organization. So you want a little gray behind the temples. Think about this for those that are not familiar with Jim Caldwell. He won 11 games with the Detroit Lions. Who's the last guy to do that? He had back-to-back nine-win seasons. He took the Colts to the Super Bowl. He got fired. Yes. <laughs> Amazing, right? Yeah, amazingly. Starting over again with the GM and a head coach. Caldwell also had recently dealt with some health issues. Yeah. So that's something, but he apparently seems to be okay, which is great and on the way back. The other thing I would just mention for the Jets and Harbaugh, and this may be an obvious point, but one we should really bring up is that Harbaugh has made it work with quarterbacks. Like he took Alex Smith Agreed. from what he was to something else. Yes. And he clearly spotted Colin Kaepernick and was able to make Kaepernick into a great quarterback as well. And obviously this franchise right now needs more out of their quarterback. And Zubin, cool. I would say this just real quick. Like you need somebody who has the ego that is going to be unfazed by the chaos. You're, you are coming to New York city. There will be a lot of chaos, right? So somebody, if you say, look, he has white hair, a little bit more experience with the gray, just the fact you're know, being through chaos, having experience and dealing with that and not being not being moved by things that are emotionally charged to set you up. You need somebody with that kind of experience to keep the kind of that, that stoic consistency that every team needs in order to thrive. But do and that is true. But do the New York Jets want Jim Harbaugh? Uh, Joe Douglas is a young general manager. This is only a second year on the job. This is only his second draft coming up. Jim Harbaugh's had issues in the past with front office. Is Joe Douglas ready to take that on and handle that type of personality, being so young at it? Um, that's something that he would have to think about, the ownership group would have to think about. But when you get guys like Marvin or, or Jim Caldwell, some of the, you know, I even kicked the door on, 
I don't know. I try to kick the door in on the Tony Dungy, try to pry him open and see where his mindset is at. You know, do you want to get back into this thing? I, that, that's where my mind would be because when you start going and searching out one side of the ball, that could be very dangerous. The last time the Jets was, in my opinion, organizationally successful is when a guy like Bill Parcells came in and had an offensive coordinator that was successful, a defensive coordinator that was successful in Belichick and other veteran coaches around them that knew what to do. Let's follow up on that because Bill turned it pretty quick. As you know, he inherited a terrible situation a couple of years later. Boom, they're right there on the brink of playing in the Super Bowl, the AFC Championship game. If you get the right coach in. And, and he wasn't an offensive or a defensive guy. He had a staff. Right. If you get the right coach in, and knowing that Douglas was largely hired because of the pretty good drafting, he was in charge of a lot of the drafting in Philadelphia, you get the right coach, and Douglas hits on the picks, which is why they hired him. How quickly can the Jets be relevant again? Right there. They'll be, yeah. You see how fast Buffalo is in the mix? Yeah. Brandon Bean's been there three years now, three, four years. The GM. The general manager. I mean, he's gone out and made moves and signed guys and – Bam, the next thing you know, they got the second seed in the AFC East and on their way. They've gone to the playoffs, I think, three times since he's been the general manager. And they've got the Buffalo Bills going right back. So it's not a hard fix at all. It's a pretty easy fix if you get the right people in place. I think it just depends upon, you know, who do you choose to go with? And I think to be reasonable with that timeline, do you choose to stay with Sam Darnold, do you choose to take a new quarterback? If you take a new quarterback, you have to buy a little bit more time to get acclimated. And the one thing you have to say about the Bills, I mean, getting Stephon Diggs was a huge move. I mean, he's made such a world of a difference for this team. A guy's name is kind of like floated around the MVP conversation with the season that he's had. So, once again, personnel that you decide to pick up can make a game changer. No doubt. Tune in to Mike Greenberg's show, Greeny, which immediately follows our show on many of these ESPN radio affiliates. About 50 minutes away, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We're done. Greeny's up. He'll take you inside the stories of the day like only Mike can. He's got all the A-list newsmakers today. Kurt Warner's going to join the show. Joe Namath is going to be on the show. Greeny interacts with you every single weekday morning. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin get you started and then we'll hand it off to Greeny all weekday mornings on ESPN radio as we get set for Saturday night football not college football Saturday night NFL wildcard big big spot for the Washington football team of course they were the last team to punch a birth to the playoffs they got it in on the NFL's 256th and final game Sunday night of course you know there was a little bit of controversy involved with that for all of their trouble, they get Tom Brady, and they'll welcome him to town Saturday night on NBC. We'll see what happens. Santana Moss, the Washington football team radio analyst on 630 ESPN, the sports capital, and, of course, the pro bowler. It was a great college player and All-American and now transitioning into the media. Wide out to wide out. We'll have Key here in just a second to talk to you, Santana. Good morning. Um, the whole Chase Young situation, calling out Tom Brady, saying he wants Tom Brady. He's 21. Brady's basically been in the league as long as oh, Chase man. has been alive. What do you think? I mean, I think he's young. <laughs> and, you know, he, he he don't know no better. You know, I'll say that much. You know, um, don't get me wrong, but he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys that, you know, he said it from day one. They asked him coming out of college. Who that uh, you know? Who was it that he was? Um, you know, he, he wanted to face more, or, or, or who was the quarterback that he wanted to sack the most? And he said Tom Brady. So now he gets the chance. What's happening, Tanner? What's up, Keith? Oh man, just just same 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 thing, different day. Let me ask you this: yeah. uh, Coach Ron Rivera thinks that there's a possibility that he could have a rotation at the quarterback spot. 
What do you think that – how do you think that will go? It's, this isn't college football. It's the pros. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think when you look at Alec, man, I mean, you know, you know, I I wasn't comfortable watching Alex play last week. But one of the things I know about Alex, when he's out there, he gives you a chance. You know, uh, although he had two turnovers last week, he threw two interceptions, he's still one of those guys that he's going to get the ball into the right player's hand. And that's what we have with Alex. You know, him, him being there, he's going to read things and get rid of the football one time in a timely fashion that we need to be able to get the ball. And, and, and you understand that, Key. You know, being a receiver, you want the ball when you're open. You don't want to have those misplays where, man, I'm wide open and, and quarterback didn't see me. So that's what Alex gives us. But when you have a defense like Tampa Bay's front, you know, those guys get out to the quarterback also. And if – if Alex can't move around, be the addicts of old, we already seen that, you know, that, that leg injury already hampering him from that. And now the calf, if he can't move around, then you might have to lean on Heineke and see if he can be some help when it comes to that category. But if Alex can go out there and deliver the ball and, um, you know, conduct us down the field and, and, and we can keep him upright, then I, I want, you know, put Heineke in the game, but, you know, I think it's going to be one of those those game time decisions to really see how much can he move around on that leg. You've been you've been on the ground there in Washington, calling games, being the analyst, speaking to Ron Rivera since taking over the team. He's gone through a name change. He's battled cancer. Uh, cancer. He's had to bench Dwayne Haskins, then release Dwayne Haskins, a guy that they drafted two years ago, supposed to be the franchise quarterback. With all that said. How is he able to get them into the postseason with all of that sort of adversity swirling around the organization? I think if you look at it, if it's any man that was up for that challenge, not knowing he's going to come into an organization or a situation and have to deal with all this, he would be the best man. Um, when we first hired Ron, I was happy with that call, just knowing, you know, being on the other side playing against him, you know, listening to some of the guys that I play against, that talked well about him. Everyone always spoke high about him. And you can tell every team that we faced that Ron Rivera coached, you know, they played, you know, differently from the things that I was used to. You know, don't get me wrong. I had some great coaches here and there, but I had a few to deal with. And you can always tell those teams that that, that I coached well. They might not have the best players out there. You know that you can dominate some of their guys, and they don't have the big names, but they go out there and they lay it on the line, and that's what Ron Rivera gives you. That's what he's doing here. You know, we want a culture change. We wanted a culture shock. I believe we really needed that, and he was the best guy for that position. He fitted, he fitted you know, the style of coaching that we needed for this organization. And in order for us to go out there and be the team that we want to be, you know, when it's, you know, when decisions came up like him doing the things that he did early in the season with getting rid of guys, then having to let, you know, Peterson go, then benching Haskins, now cutting Haskins. That's showing a team that, man, you know, I'm, I'm here for one reason, and I'm holding all you guys up to a standard. And if you're not playing up to that, then I have to, you know, escort you out of here. So I think it's great that we have a coach like that. He, he shows you that he's a leader. He let these guys know that we can't go out there and, um, you know, play half-ass, you know, excuse my French. But <laughs> right. it, it also shows in these guys, you know, play. Every week I see these guys go out there and compete and have themselves, give themselves a chance to win the game, and that's all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. Santana, coach of the year in the NFL between Riverboat Ron, Kevin Stefanski, maybe Brian Flores in that conversation as well. Who do you give it to and why? 
I don't want to be biased, but I would say Ron. And but at the same time, you can easily say the Browns. You know, uh, coach might get a, you know get that nod. But if you had to ask me, even being a guy that wasn't a part of this organization, if I was just an outside guy looking in, the stuff he dealt with, you know, with the team, you know, the name change, him dealing with cancer, um, you know, the different scandals that's going on around with the team, you know, that's hard to deal with. And we didn't have a GM. He has to deal with all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I would, I would probably, you know, if I was asked, I would say Ron Rivera. But who knows how that's going to go down. And it's all happened since January, essentially in this one calendar year when all of this started to happen with the Washington football team. That's a lot to deal with in the course of a year. Hey, last thing for you, just you mentioned it earlier. We might be seeing this kid Heineke play depending on what happens with Alex Smith. I think we all know about Alex Smith, his comeback. I don't think any of us know anything about this kid Heineke. What do we need to know if he's getting some reps and he's in there trying to get them to the divisional round of the playoffs? Well, the one thing that he showed me quickly is that he was ready for the challenge. You know, um, I'm always talking about an old high school coach that told me uh, opportunity favors the most prepared. Heineke showed that when he got a chance to get into that game two weeks ago, that he was he was prepared he was prepared and he's ready to go. Uh, we couldn't do nothing that entire game. And Heineke gets in there and we drive on the field twice and he put up two scores. One got called back. And one of the things that stood out the most is that it was one of those guys that he can get outside the pocket and make plays with his feet, you know, and that's what you – you might need that. You know, you have those guys up front, um, Pierre Paul, Devin White, Shaquille Barrett, you know, they, they all each have eight or more sacks, so they're going to get out to the quarterback. And if we can't protect Alex and he can't move around, we might be seeing Heineken get into the game. Good stuff. We'll look to see what happens if they go with the two-quarterback rotation. Might not be the only team in the NFC that does that this weekend. There might be some possibility the Rams are going to do that, and we're going to talk more about that at the bottom of the hour. Santana, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great call this weekend. All right, Tanner. As always, thank you, guys. Yeah, take care. Great to have him here. All right, so, Jay, size it up. I'm interested because I, I really like when you threw Brian Flores in there for Coach of the Year. Obviously, Ron Rivera's story is what it is. He's a division champion. Uh, along with the personal adversity, Kevin Stefanski doing what nobody's been able to do in 18 years, and Brian Flores, who entered the final Sunday of the regular season with an opportunity to get the Dolphins into the playoffs. They fall just short. Give me a one, two, three. I mean, those are three really good finalists. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I think probably Riverboat, Ron, will be the favorite. I think Kevin Stefanski is right there before the Washington football team was able to get into the playoffs, regardless of how they got there. Uh, I mean, obviously winning the NFC East uh, gets you there, but – I just think Brian Flores, for what he's had to deal with with this team, uh, I go back to even even the way they they handled um, you know their situation with the league, not being like the league actually addressed some of the social issues by not coming out, their team making a statement, the way he's handled a lot of the pressure around Tua bringing Tua back, Ryan Fitzpatrick using him using him correctly, Fitzmagic. Uh, and getting them in a position ultimately where you felt like they were at the top competing in AFC East with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they were they were there. Uh, I think it deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, you you, you look at Flores, Stefanski, and Riverboat Ron. For me, those two right there. Flores has kind of been the the Dolphins were heading in the right direction starting last year. Mm-hmm. Um, toward the end of the season, they started to play a lot better in, in terms of getting things turned around. But when you look at the Cleveland situation, like you said, 18 years, that's a plus. But then you look at the adversity in everything that Coach Rivera has gone through, mm-hmm. the name change, the, the scandal, just everything 
having to deal with a young quarterback, making quarterback decisions on whether or not to play him, release him, and to still get the team motivated enough. Because that team in the beginning of the season could have gone another direction in Mm -hmm. terms of their thought process. Mm -hmm. But they stayed the course, and they found themselves having a home playoff game so if I had a vote, it'd probably be Ron. Mm-hmm. So, I will say this too, Zubin, just to add very yeah. quickly. Um, wow, Alex Smith, man. You talk about coming back from what he came back from to deliver the way he did this year for Ron Rivera. Like, I, I just take my hat off for him. Not a lot of people <laughs> can come back from an injury like that, yet alone play in the National Football League. I, I think that deserves a ton of credit. There's no doubt about it. We had Alex on the show Uh, a few months ago, and we just said to him, and I think it was a pretty obvious statement, um, you've already won the comeback player of the year before you've thrown a pass just by getting back out there. The one last thing I would just say about Rivera, which really adds to him, is he's a football coach, but as Key said, he's had to be the de facto spokesperson. So when the team has a sexual assault investigation, so when the team has to go through a name change, those aren't things that Ron Rivera has to deal with. He's the football coach. He doesn't want to deal with that. But he's had to deal with it. He's the guy that's going out there front and center and talking to the media, talking to all the fans, and that's a big burden in addition to being a coach. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. On the way. So you think the Washington football team has a quarterback situation to deal with this weekend? They got nothing on the Rams. What is Sean McVay's plans this weekend with Seattle on tap? We'll have that courtesy of our Rams expert. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C e-bikes dot com. Get your heart beaten for Wild Card Weekend, the second of six. The Rams and the Seahawks both split the regular season series. They'll meet Saturday at 440 Eastern Time. Big question, Key, who the quarterback is going to be for the Rams in that game. We'll get to that in a second. But we got SoCal, we got a Trojan, and we got a Bruin. We welcome hey. Maurice Jones-Drew, Rams radio <laughs> analyst, 710 ESPN LA on the Goodyear hotline. All right, take it away, SoCal fellas. What's up? What up? What, what's up, wannabe Trojan? How you doing? Jeez. I wannabe Trojan. Jeez. This is too early in the morning for all this. No, that's, how he, that's how he is, man. I got to wake you up, man. What's happening? Oh, you know what? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, excited for the Rams. Get a third uh, matchup with the Seahawks, who I feel like they match up very well with. And, you know, getting prepared for a, a great game, a game that 
I felt like the Rams had dominated the last two matchups. Um, the first game, you don't turn the ball over, you win pretty handily. The second time, you turn the ball over and you lose a close one. So we'll see how it goes, but uh, it's going to be an exciting uh, game for all the Rams fans. I think the Rams just, you know, they've got to put a full game together. And if they can, uh, I think that they can move on. MJD, what do you make of Sean McVay's comments that he's not going to announce a starting quarterback at the moment? Um, that he's kind of, I don't know, playing coy to a degree. Yeah, I mean, gamesmanship. You don't, you don't want to give Pete Carroll and you know um, the Seattle Seahawks defense and Ken Norton uh, an opportunity to game plan for 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 Jared Goff or John Wolford. You want to make them have to game plan for both. Stay up a little bit later, right? Maybe that 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 those couple hours of sleep that you lose throughout the week may be the reason that you're not on your game uh, come Saturday. So uh, I think it's awesome. I think that's what you're supposed to do. You you know everybody understands. You've seen Jared Goff play. You've seen John Wolford play. Two different styles, same offense though. Um, and you have to get your guys prepared for two guys. That's pretty tough on a defense. They have to get prepared for two different quarterbacks with two different styles. And so. Um, I think it's, it's just to keep those guys up late a little bit, you know, have them watch a little bit more game tape of week 17 and have them watch a little bit more game tape of week 16 and see if they can try to put a, a, a give, give them a, a chance to try to put a, a good game plan together for both teams. And that's going to be tough on that defense, you know? And so uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, you know, we all, no one really knows what's going to be able to happen because Jared had surgery um, and, you know, I mean, Key, we both have had surgery and trying to come back and play, and, you know, we know how tough it is, but uh, we'll see how it goes this week. Let me ask you this about Jared Goff since you mentioned surgery and Jared. How come be, – be, I know you 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 covering the game, but be real with me and honest with me. Why has he struggled at times when he's been healthy? How come he hasn't taken that giant step that we all have been waiting for over the last year or so? Uh, well, so my per- my personal opinion is I believe that Jared is a guy, and we, we I play with guys like this, and I, I'm sure you have as well, that they need to see everything, right? So um, I always equate it to, like, school, where if you if you do all the homework, 90% of the time that what you do on the homework is going to be on the test. Well, Jared hasn't had a full school year of getting that homework done. He didn't have the offseason to work on, you know, what where, where do you go with this ball and this coverage? You don't have – these different things. And so teams are throwing different coverages at them than we've seen in the past. And it's forcing them to hold the ball a little bit. And so I think he's a guy that needs to practice. He's a guy that needs to see every coverage versus every play. And with this short and off season, it just, it hasn't worked out for him. Um, and so, you know, he's, he's shown spurts of playing really well uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played lights out. Right. Uh, but then he showed times where he doesn't play well at all. Like against the Dolphins, like he didn't know where, what cover zero was and why this guy is coming scot-free to him. So uh, I just think that, you know, the short offseason kind of hurt him a little bit. And hopefully that with a full offseason of OTAs and training camp where you can get, you know, those 10,000 reps each year uh, will help him out. Maurice, what's been so impressive about the Rams defense this year? Uh, I mean, well, the, the funny thing is it's like everyone comes at, it's it's, it's Everyone comes in here like Dante Fowler, Leonard Floyd, and you just have an, an exceptional year. Exceptional year rushing the passer, right? Um, and it's all because of Aaron Donald. And he doesn't get enough credit for what he's been able to do. 
Um, but then, you know, Micah Kaiser goes out and all of a sudden Troy Reader comes in and starts playing lights out with Kenny Young, a Bruin. Um, and it all works hand in hand. The, the rush, the guys up front are getting to the quarterback, and then Jalen Ramsey shutting down your number one target, forcing guys to go to the other side. And the other thing is, is these corners, and Key, we know this as much as anyone, corners don't want to tackle. Corners don't want to get in there and get in the trenches. But these dudes, we will do it, all of them, everybody, from top to bottom, from Jalen Ramsey down to Darius Williams, uh, David Long Jr. when he comes in. I mean, everyone is not afraid to go out there, and they, they sacrifice, and they play as a unit. And, you know, they played lights out at times. Um, and and I th- when I say lights out, like if, let's say, the offense turns the ball over against uh, the Niners, they come back and get a turnover to the next possession. Like, so they, they played, uh, I mean, shut down defense. Um, what is it, Jalen Ramsey? I think they've given up the fewest pass touchdowns. The only really receiving touchdown that Jalen Ramsey has given up all year was to Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. Like, you have, you, have a, you have a lockdown corner and you have arguably the best defensive player in the game today and, and maybe one of the most dominant uh, players in, in the history of the NFL going. Uh, they've done a great job of scheming around those two guys and, and, and forcing offenses to go to their third and fourth read. Maurice Jones, Drew, L.A. Rams, radio analyst on 710 ESPN L.A., joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Uh, MJD, let me ask you this question. You a Jaguar player, longtime Jaguar player. The Jags got the number one overall pick. Should they take Trevor Lawrence or should they look at another quarterback? What should they do with that pick? We know they need a signal caller. Yeah, so that, so look, I, I, I always say this, and I know I got a lot of grief on Twitter the other day after watching the uh, um, the the Sugar Bowl. To me, it's like, look, I know everyone wants to say that Trevor Lawrence is a consensus number one, and I'm not. I, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying I don't know if he is. Exactly. Right? How about you take a look at some other people to see, make to make sure, really do your due diligence and dive in and make sure you can't just go out there and say this guy is this because when you're picking number one, you have to make sure that pick is the right pick because if you don't, if you miss that pick, oh, it can get bad. It can get bad real quickly, and so. Um, to me, it's just like, don't just go out there and be like, hey, we're taking Trevor, we're just taking him. Like, make sure that he's the right guy that fits whatever system that you pick, right? If you're going to pick, let's say, if you're going to pick Urban Meyer, right? Maybe Urban Meyer likes Justin Fields more. He, the same thing, Ohio State, that's what he did when he was there. It's his system that runs. Maybe he wants Justin Fields. Or if you, let's say if you go with Eric Bieniemy, we don't know who the, co- the quarterback may be. He may like the guy from BYU, right? So, you, it depends on the the coach and the system that they want to run if Trevor Lawrence fits that. Um, and so I, I just think that, you know, instead of everybody already crowning the kid saying, and I think he's a, he's a really good player, um, I, and I believe that he struggled in some big games. He struggled against some big games, just like Justin Bill struggled against Northwestern and other guys. I mean, there is no perfect prospect out there. I just say, like, before you, you know, pick a guy number one overall, which we've seen the Jags, you know, take some guys high up, uh, over the last, like, 10 years, and those dudes, some of them aren't in the league anymore. Some guys, most of them aren't even on that roster anymore. They're on other rosters, like Jalen Ramsey, for example. Uh, they get, they've gotten rid of a lot of their talent. Make sure that guy is the, the perfect guy that fits what you want to do. Yeah. And if he's that, then you take him. And it may not be uh, Trevor Lawrence. It could be the left tackle for Oregon. I, we don't know. But to me, it's like make sure that that's your guy and, and, and then go move on from there. 
We'll see. You're referencing Penny Sewell there for the Ducks. We'll see. The Jags are in the catbird seat for the moment. They'll pick number one if they choose to. Everybody's saying Lawrence, but MJD saying pump the brakes on that a little bit. And for your sake, when you're calling the game this weekend, hopefully we'll have Cooper Cup back. He's been battling the coronavirus, tested positive last week. So we'll wait to see what happens with that. That's a big storyline as well to follow with the Rams. MJD, thanks for waking up early on the West Coast, man. Appreciate it. Fight on. No problem, guys. No, no, stop all that. Go Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> Equal time. Get both the fight songs. Get both of the mentions in. On the way, we are slowly but surely finding out more details about what happened on the sideline Sunday night in Philly when Doug Peterson did. You know what? We'll have a first-person experience on the way. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I think there's going to be more than just one more thing with this Eagles offseason, and clearly nobody wants to let it go. This is the latest coming in on Instagram from the Eagles center, Jason Kelsey, who a few weeks ago gave an impassioned plea to always play to the final whistle, even if there's nothing on the line. What I'm about to recite for you, exactly, back it up, back it up. What I'm about to recite for you here is something that Kelsey just literally posted on Instagram today, obviously with the situation regarding Doug Peterson and Nate Sudfeld and his reaction when he heard that Hertz was coming out Sunday night and Sudfeld was coming in. We'll do it slowly, but this is verbatim on his Instagram. Quote, thought I would clear the air just to clarify and more accurately depict what happened during the game on Sunday. At the end of the third quarter, I was told on the bench that Sudfield was going into the game. I went up to Doug and asked him if he was taking Hertz out. He said, yes, I think Nate's earned the right to play. I said, everyone else is staying in? He said, absolutely. I then went to find Suddy, started taking snaps on the sideline with him, called the other linemen over and had them listen to his snap count to make sure everyone was on the rhythm of his cadence and then went out for the next drive. The post continues, quote, I understand the optics of how it looked, and I'd be lying if I wasn't a little surprised given the circumstances that the move happened when it did. But every one of us did our best, and all of us believe we can win with Nate Sudfeld. It was a difficult situation to be put into, especially when you have a 10-year veteran center who doesn't snap the ball to you accurately on your second drive of the game. I know we can win games with Nate because I know Suddy can play, it didn't work out Sunday, but as always, that's not just on him. Obviously, that 10-year veteran center he's referring to is himself. And key, we should mention that Sudfeld came over and promptly turned it over twice. And uh, obviously, things went downhill from there. That is his explanation about what went down Sunday night. What do you make well, of that? Well, also, he said that at no point was there any confrontation from him or anyone else. I want to make sure because as we talked about and joked with, 
that need people needed to be restrained and all those sort of things, which I found it pretty funny watching the game because typically the cameras will pan to confrontation on the sideline and ruckus going on. Look, he, he's there. He's a veteran player, 10-year center. He knows what's going on. Clearly, uh, he also said that throughout the course of the week, Coach said, Doug Peterson said, that he would let Sutfield get some snaps throughout the course of the game when they didn't know. So the communication was there to some degree. I just think it might have been a little bit of a shock value when it happened, considering that they had an opportunity to win the game. He didn't communicate to them why exactly he left everybody else in and didn't go for winning the game, more so or less trying to lose the game to get from number nine to number six, which I said all along he did a good job for the organization. Players just wasn't happy with the communication. This is just intriguing to me, right? Because I, I, I read the whole transcript transcript of what Jason Kelsey said, and it's pretty extensive on Twitter. And, you know, we all knew leading into the game that Subfield was told to be ready to play and that Doug wanted to see what he can do in the game situation. All of us throughout the week leading up to it were excited for Nate, a guy that's been with us, and we all knew we could win with Nate. We could win. Like, that last line is a little bit intriguing to me, right? Because that's, that's what Doug had said at the podium. Like, oh, we're still trying to win. It's so... I feel like that's Jason backing. That's Jason backing his coach. Uh, I guess that's the formidable thing to do. But then you have Miles Sanders, who yes, he's on his way out. But Jason probably is going to be there for a while. I'm not sure Miles is going to be there anymore. Now, like, who's telling the truth? Right? It, it makes you think about you know who's backing who, who's in your corner. Do you feel pressure to say something because you're going to be a part of this organization moving forward? You don't know what's going to happen with Doug Peterson. Uh, you know, Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, the guys who own the team, manager, president of the team. There's a lot of things that go into that now. It just makes it more convoluted and more complicated, in my opinion. It's, it's easy for me, Jay. It's veteran player, understands, took a day or two to think through the process, probably yep. had exit meetings, talked to the coaches, and figured, okay, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say exactly what it really truly was. And, again, as I said before on our show – and as I've been saying, it's it's impossible for me to believe that he never told that quarterback and told some people on that team that that QB was going to play. He just but, didn't all of a sudden decide in the middle of the game he was going to play. He knew he would play. He just probably didn't know when he would take the snaps. Understood. Understood. It, it just gets – Because they usually – they come up to you, Jay, and they'll tell you, you know, during the course of the week, hey, man, I may play you or I'm not going to play you. You're only going to play this much. I don't know when. Don't ask me. That's the sort of stuff that these coaches – because, you know, players start asking, am I going to play week 17? He's like, don't ask me if I'm playing you or not. I think I'm going to play you. We don't know when. And so it becomes curiosity with a lot of guys considering that they had an opportunity to win. But the moment that they didn't kick the field goal and they went for it, I was like, well, they got – and then they – Pull Jalen out. I'm like, well, they going for the draft pick because clearly he's been there four years, man. Dude, they took no snap. So they, <laughs> they already know what he is. They already is. know what he is. Yes. Okay, that's why I go back to the bigger point that I don't think this is just a decision that Doug Peterson made. I think this was a Howie Roseman. I think this was a Jeffrey Lurie. I think the whole organization was trending in that direction. Four years, so. Zubin. That's right. Four years. Hadn't basically done anything since about 2018. He was initially drafted by the Washington football team. But I would just sum it up by saying this. The guy that needs to get the most snaps and the most evaluation is Jalen Hurts. The guy that needs to get the least amount of evaluation and the least amount of snaps is Sudfeld because you know what you have with one. You're waiting to see what you have 
with the other. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.